They are our 11 warriors. No, they are the 11 warriors. The most disciplined and the toughest damn dudes you're ever going to be around. Welcome into Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined by Griffin Strom live from Atlanta, where we are all week for Ohio State's college football playoff semifinal game against Georgia as the Buckeyes will play the Bulldogs on Saturday night, looking to earn a berth in the national championship game. We've had four and a half weeks of buildup to this one at this point. It's finally here. Griffin, where do you feel about this game now, maybe compared to how you felt a month ago when we learned it was going to happen? Yeah, Dan, I don't think I feel altogether much worse or much better about Ohio State's chances. I have talked to to some of the Georgia beat writers here in Atlanta, and some of them think that this Ohio State team, you know, if it plays its best game, could be, be you know, bigger to beat a team like Georgia, you know, when you saw what happened against LSU and things like that. I still think, though, that Ohio State is going to have to play a really, really good game, perhaps a, a better game than they played all season to in, in order to beat Georgia. What about you, Dan? Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's interesting that you make that point because, you know, I think a lot of times beat writers for their own teams probably see the faults in the teams they cover more than maybe an outsider does, particularly in a game like this when we're talking about two really highly rated teams. And so I think nationally the vibe certainly about Georgia is that they're this dominant team that should beat everybody but I'm sure you know the Georgia beat writers they they see certain flaws that maybe not everybody thinks about and I think conversely for Ohio State there's been so much talk about you know things that went wrong against Michigan and all of that but nationally Ohio State still considered to be a really good team I mean they're still highly ranked nationally in both offense and defense. Some still consider Ohio State to have the best offense in the country. And so I, I think, you know, this is a matchup that has has a lot of intrigue to it. I mean, you just look again at the fact that, you know, it, it's an offense that whether it's the best or not, I mean, they, they have to play better in the CFP than they did against Michigan if they want to have the title of being the best offense in the country. But I'd certainly think they're probably the most talented offense in the country. And then Georgia is a team that, you know, particularly the last two years has been very dominant on the defensive side of the ball. So it really does feel like a clash of the Titans in in that sense. Yeah, Dan, and I know for some fans, perhaps more cynical fans or fans that are worried, you know, after the Michigan loss and things, could this game be one of those games like, say, the, the 2016 playoff game between Clemson and Ohio State? What was it, 31 to nothing? Or you even think to like the, the 2020 national championship game with Alabama blowing Ohio State out. But, you know, I've talked to some people that think, you know, these this Georgia team is is not 2020 Alabama and they think it's going to be you know, a lot more competitive than those ball games were. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I don't, you know, again, do, am I necessarily confident Ohio State will win? No, but I, I also don't expect, you know, a 2016 Clemson kind of performance. I mean, I think this, you know, Ohio State team is certainly more talented than that and certainly, you know, has the capability of, of beating anybody. And I think, you know, if again, if you gave Georgia some truth serum, they'd probably much rather play TCU in this game than play Ohio State because I think Ohio State is viewed as the much bigger threat, at least in in terms of a talent perspective. And, you know, it it feels like Ohio State's playing with house money a bit here compared to the Michigan game. I think 
the, the Michigan game there was such a must-win approach and, and almost a, a fear of, of losing that then manifested itself into not playing well. There definitely feels like there's a different vibe with this Ohio State team going into this one where I think they're really embracing the underdog role and, you know, I think they feel like, you know, they have to go out and 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 and, and play loose and ju- and just go out there and, and and play really hard and, you know, what exactly that's going to look like on Saturday, we don't know. I mean, it's it's easy to say the right things. Now you have to actually go out and do them, but I I think that you know, it, it does feel to me like, you know, there's a different mindset for Ohio State going into this game. Even though, I mean, we know if Ohio State loses, Ohio State fans are going to be miserable. There's going to be people calling for Ryan Day's head. They're, they're going to end, they would end the season on a two-game losing streak. And so we know that, you know, the, uh, the takes are going to be flying if Ohio State loses this game. But, you know, I, I just think there's a different sense in the fact that Ohio State is the underdog in this game and that, you know, you know, it's certainly a game you're going to consider a must-win kind of game because you're playing for, you know, a, a national championship game berth on the line. But I also think there's the, the recognition that, you know, this is going to be a harder game to win. Ohio State could play its best football of the season and not win this game. But certainly you want to see Ohio State play its best football of the season, especially since it didn't come close to doing that in the one game this year that it actually needed to do that. Dan, we're recording this on Tuesday, so we've now had two days of interviews here. You know, when we got here on Monday, it was just the Zoom thing, but on Tuesday we actually got to talk to a host of Ohio State's offensive personnel, Kevin Wilson. Obviously, we talked to Ryan Day on Monday, a host of Georgia players and coaches as well. More to come in terms of interviews in the days to follow, but Dan, so far... What has really jumped out at you in terms of sound bites, you know, storylines, responses we've heard from the guys we've talked to so far? I mean, a lot of it's what I just said. I mean, was there anything different from what I just said that really stood out to you? In terms of in terms of interview stuff, I mean, I thought it was interesting, Dan. I, I've been having some conversations about like, you know, will Ohio State's offensive game look any different given the the Kevin Wilson situation, right? Because you know, with Ryan Day talking about wanting the team to to play without a fear of failure and to play more aggressive, does that mean okay, Ohio State's going to come in and throw the ball a lot more right away? And you know, Kevin Wilson being the the more blocking scheme run run tight end coach guy, does that mean you know if if Kevin Wilson having taken the job at Tulsa? Does he have, uh, you know, not as his fingerprints are his fingerprints not on the game plan as much going into this one? But he actually we got to talk to him on Tuesday. He said that, you know, he's he's been very involved in the game plan and he's still spent a majority of his time, you know, on the CFP prep here for Ohio State than he, the, the Tulsa team. And so I thought that was an interesting tidbit, Dan. I think there's also a lot of, uh, CJ Stroud said it as well, a lot of respect on both sides in this game, which, you know, I feel like you you tend to expect that in a game. But, you know, if, if this was Michigan, if this was the, the, the Michigan rematch or something, I think we'd be hearing, you know, some unpleasantries flying to some extent more so than we're getting this week. Yeah, no, no trash talk to this point from either side. You know, again, that could change by the time you're listening to this because there's more interviews coming up on Wednesday. But haven't heard anybody... You know, talking smack about the other side or, or anything too 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 bold. It's been you know definitely a lot of you know holding the other in high regard. I mean, again, you know we've we've heard it earlier on in this. You know, a lot of the guys on these teams know each other because so many of these guys are highly touted recruits. I mean, some of them may have made recruiting visits together to one school or the other or to different schools, and so you know they, these guys they they know each other well, even though these teams have never 
played each other with the current players or coaching staffs that are there. There's still a lot of familiarity between these teams in the sense that Ohio State, their players, their coaches, they've been watching Georgia and, and same thing the other way around. Yeah, and, and Dan, you know, the, the first thing you asked, do I feel you know better or worse about Ohio State's chances? You know, my, my whole thing from, from the time that the, the regular season ended and whatnot and Ohio State got its berth in the CFP was, you know, if Ohio State ends up having Jackson Smith and Jigba and Travion Henderson fully healthy for this game, I mean, I, I like Ohio State's chances a lot better now. Of course, we've come to find out that neither of those guys are going to be available. There's still some players, Dan, that there, you know, is a bit of a fogginess about their their health status. And of course, when we talked to the likes of Mayan Williams, Mike Hall, Cam, not long ago at Ohio State's little media day back in Columbus, they all said they're 100% healthy. But Dan, there was an interesting kind of turn of events at Tuesday's press conference because we were expected to have Mayan Williams, but he ended up getting subbed out last minute for Chip Tranum. Yeah, and, and Chip Tranum said that Mayan was under the weather. You know, it sounds like he was, he was sick, so it's not related to his injuries. Kevin Wilson said Monday that he had the most work and practice that he'd had, you know, since his injury. So it still sounds like things are on track for Mayan to play, but, you know, it is just one more thing that makes you raise your eyebrows and say, okay, and again, you know, Ohio State will have open practice sessions on Wednesday and Thursday. So we we may have already reported a little bit more on this by the time you're actually listening to this podcast. Hopefully we're able to, but you know, Mayan certainly a guy we're going to have our eyes on. Matt Jones, I think, is another guy we're going to have our eye on because there hasn't been really any concrete word one way or the other on, on whether he's trending toward playing in this game. But if not, then, you know, is Josh Fryer the guy? I would I would think Josh Fryer would probably be the guy. Maybe it's Enoch Vamahi, but considering that Fryer played most of the snaps against Michigan and I thought he played pretty well in that role, I think he'd probably be the next man up. But certainly, I think they would like to have a fully healthy Matt Jones in there, especially going up against a Georgia defensive front that we know is probably the best in the country. Yeah, Dan, I know you wrote about Tranum on Tuesday, and we had heard from Ryan Day during his you know signing day press conference back in Columbus that they're going to have to make a decision on his future after the season in terms of position. But obviously, I know we expected him in this game to, to continue a running back, given Henderson being out, you know, the likes of Evan Pryor still being hurt and things of that nature. But, but Dan, what did you hear from him in kind of that, that breakout session where maybe he got a, more of a chance to talk about how comfortable he feels in that role and what role he expects to play in this game because he could play a big one? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, certainly he, he feels comfortable in that running back role. You know, that's the position he played for two years at Arizona State. I think it's the position he's always liked playing best. He was willing to play linebacker at Ohio state just because he wanted to play at ohio state and he wanted to play for a powerhouse program that has the opportunity to compete for national championships but he's always wanted to be a running back so i think he's very happy to be back at running back i think you know he hopes that he will remain at running back going forward and you know that's not something that a final decision has been made on yet but certainly i think in this game i think there's a chance that he plays a substantial role because again you know we don't know if mayan's going to be 100 percent. we do know that travion anderson's going to be out we know evan Pryor's still out and we know that they haven't fully trusted Dallin Hayden yet. Even though we've seen a lot of good things from Dallin Hayden when he's been in the game, you know, we've seen that they, they still 
have been reticent to give him a major role. And so that could change, you know, after, you know, five more weeks of, of ball practice, you know, maybe they've seen the improvements and pass protection that they need to see to feel confident giving him a bigger role. So, you know, I remember we were, you know, predicting before the Michigan game, like what the carries would look like, like if, we're, if we were to do that again, like, I, I really don't know. Like, I mean, I, I, I tend to think that if Mayan is healthy, he is going to see the majority of the work, but, you know, whether, you know, Chip, Hayden, what their roles might look like. I mean, my my feeling would be, but still, you know, trying not to read too much into it, but the fact that they brought Chip Trey and him out when Mayan couldn't go, that tells me that Chip's the next man up at running back, and he's probably the guy who's most likely to see carries after Mayan Williams. You know, I think there, there would be a sense in putting Dallin in there in the mix as well, because I think... You know, Chip's probably more similar in terms of running style to Mayan, and Dallin's a little bit more of a faster, shiftier guy. And so I think it, it would make sense to get Dallin in the mix there as well. But, you know, it, it's hard for me to predict that we're going to see more Dallin, considering everybody was predicting that before the Michigan game, and it didn't happen. Yeah, and another kind of wide lens storyline here for Ohio State is just the, the role of the underdog, right? Because we haven't seen Ohio State actually be an underdog in terms of betting lines and whatnot since, what was it, the the, the, the national championship game against Alabama a couple seasons ago. Right. So that's, you know, a world that, that C.J. Stroud's never even seen as a starter at Ohio State. And uh, it seems like those guys, I mean, certainly Ryan Day, you know, right right off the bat in some of his post-CFP selection press conferences and stuff said, you know, I kind of like this role. It's a different chip on the shoulder. And I think a lot of players, especially on Tuesday, were echoing that sentiment. You know, some guys like like Marvin Harrison Jr. And, and then I think Teron Vincent as well, back when we were in Columbus, both said that, you know, it, it's always been Ohio against the world. That's kind of the, the mindset we try to adopt. And there's always critics out there no matter how well we play. But but I think certainly, you know, Marvin Harrison said Tuesday, he, he likes to feel like the villain, especially playing in Georgia as well in in you know the Bulldogs backyard so that's something that it seems like the team's really leaning into this week like and the Hollywood script is laid out perfectly for this team right like if you go in as the number four seed and you beat Georgia and then you go and you beat Michigan and get revenge in the national championship game like that's the perfect script for a great story that doesn't mean it's going to happen because the, the college ball playoff is not written in hollywood it's written on the actual field of play and so just just because the script is nice doesn't mean that it's actually going to happen but it does i think make it easy for ryan day for anybody who's you know trying to lead and motivate the team to give them those things they can grab onto. Like you said, I mean, you think back to 2014 season and everybody remembers the Ohio against the world stuff. And that's something that I think Ohio State has tried to keep alive, but it's difficult to keep alive when everybody thinks you're great and you're favored in every game. Like it's hard to to really play up that Ohio against the world thing. But in this case, I, I think you can because, I mean, I just think, you know, whether it's, writers, fans, whoever, you go around, mo most people think Georgia's going to win this game. And so I think you you really can you really can em embrace the underdog role in, in this game and feel like it's a real thing. And, you know, based on the facts that Ohio State's 8-2 and two as an underdog since 2012, maybe it's a good thing for this team. Yeah, and Dan, the, the onus now is really on Georgia to find that edge because this is the team that's expected to win it all a team that's expected to repeat a team that did it last year you know this is the big bad you know team in college football right now undefeated and everything like that so in terms of that 
kind of a relationship there. Georgia is the team that, that kind of has to to find find an edge. Ohio State should really have one built into this one. Yeah, and, and Ohio State knows what Georgia did last year. You know, Georgia last year, they had lost to the SEC championship game. They were coming in off a loss, and they bounced back and and went on to win the national championship, got revenge against Alabama in that national championship game. And so Ohio State wants to replicate what Georgia did last year, and obviously Georgia wants to replicate what Georgia did last year because Georgia wants to win it all. And Dan, let's dive in a little bit here to the matchup between the Ohio State offense and the Georgia defense. Those were the respective personnel groupings we got to interview on Tuesday. So some of those things are fresh on our mind. Ohio State coming in second in scoring offense, Georgia second in scoring defense. You could make a case for for either group being the best in the country. Obviously, Dan, I think from, from a Georgia defensive perspective, it would be hard to say that you know, we haven't heard the most, of course, about Jalen Carter on the inside as that massive, you know, game wrecking defensive tackle. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's he's really, really good. I mean, again, he's probably going to be a, a top five pick in the NFL draft. And so, you know, he's certainly the guy you circle on the scouting report. Number 88, they, they've got to do what they've got to do to 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 keep him out of a backfield. Because, you know, you look along the defensive front, there's not really any other stars on the defensive front there's not really any ever huge names especially since nolan smith their top edge rusher is out for the season there's, there's not a ton of other big names up there up front and so you know you you would think that if you can hold carter and check you're gonna have a chance to keep that whole defensive front in check but you know the thing that you, know, you can say about georgia if you if you watch them if you just look at what they do that their greatness is not so much built on having one or two individual stars. It's it's built around their all-around talent and how well they play together as a unit. And that's a thing they do a, a fantastic job of. And so, you know, I think if you're just circling individuals, you're going to look at Jalen Carter. You're going to look at Chris Smith, their unanimous All-American safety. You're going to look at Keely Ringo, their top corner. But, you know, their their linebackers, uh, Dumas Johnson and, and Smale Munden are both really, you know, they have other, you know, talented DBs like Kamari Lassiter and Malachi Starks. You know, I know uh, your Stackhouse is a guy that Donovan Jackson mentioned when we were talking to him last week as somebody who stood out to him. Georgia's big nose tackle. And they rotate a lot on de- defense, especially up front. So there's going to be a lot of different guys in there. And, you know, much like with Ohio State, you know, Pretty much all those guys that are going to be in there are four and five star type recruits. And so, you know, there's not going to be a a break if one guy comes out of a game. You know, any, anybody who's out there on that defense for Georgia is capable of making big plays. And I think more importantly, they do a really good job of playing within the scheme of the defense. You know, it, it's, it's not a defense that's built for its stars to put up big numbers. It's it's built to win football games. And I think that they do a really good job of playing within that. And you have to expect they're going to have a good game plan for this game because they have all year. And so, you know, you flip that around now to, to Ohio state, most likely nothing's going to come easy in this game, you know, but it shouldn't have to with, with an offense that's as talented as Ohio state's, Things shouldn't have to come easy. I mean, when you have C.J. Stroud, when you have Marvin Harrison and Emeka Abuka and Mayan Williams and Julian Fleming, Kate Stover, and a, a really talented offensive line, when you have all the talent Ohio State has on offense, things shouldn't have to come easy for you to succeed. But 
you look at what happened against Michigan, and when they hit some adversity, they, they, they didn't succeed. And so I think that's, to me, probably the biggest question going into this game when I look at Ohio State's offenses. We know how talented they are. We know they're capable of putting up big numbers. But can, can they do it when it's hard? Because we, we've seen it when, when things... When things look easy for this offense, they look really easy. They look easier than they look for any other teams in the country. But it's about when, when things get hard, when you're playing against a really good defense that's going to make you work for every first down, can you string those drives together? Can you be consistent? Can you finish in the red zone? Ohio State didn't do that against Michigan. It's going to have to do that against Georgia to have a chance to win this game. Yeah, Dan, I think that's a big part of the reason Ryan Day stressed all year getting out to these these really fast starts. I mean, what team doesn't want to get out to a fast start? But at the same time, I think we've we've seen it, you know, a, a few times here with this Ohio State team this, this last couple of years where, like you said, things things don't start going their way and, and you know, suddenly the, the performance starts to wane. But I mean, specifically, Dan, you know, it's hard not to talk about the quarterback for, you know, an offense like Ohio State Heisman, two, two-time Heisman Trophy finalist, C.J. Stroud. And, you know, if, if the Michigan game was huge for his legacy at Ohio State, this is, this is you know, perhaps an even bigger game. You know, he, he, he it's still on the, on the table, Dan, that he could play Michigan again, but that will have to come with a win over Georgia. And this game is going to be huge, Dan, for, you know, erasing some of the criticism that we've heard about C.J. Stroud since the Michigan game. You know, he'll, he'll have you know, some some championship hardware in terms of a CFP semifinal win, a Peach Bowl win, and then potentially a chance to rematch Michigan. But it's going to, to take a big performance from C.J. Stroud, I would imagine, if Ohio State's going to win this game. Well, going into the, the Michigan game, we said this could be it. And it almost was it, because I don't think he would have played if it was a non-playoff bowl game. But now we know this is it. If, if C.J. Stroud loses this one, that's it. He's going to go to the NFL draft. He'll finish his career with back-to-back losses. And, you know, that is going, you know, I think unless, you know, unless he has a spectacular performance in a game that Ohio State just loses because it can't stop Georgia or whatever, I, I you know, I think, you know, if, you know, if, if C.J. Stroud is a mediocre performance and Ohio State loses this game, that is going to impact his, his legacy. And conversely, like you said, if he has a huge game against Georgia, again, a defense that might be the best in the country, and he can lead Ohio State to a win, that's going to erase a lot of a criticism from from that Michigan game. Because, you know, I, I think, you know, you think back to Justin Fields. And when you think back at Justin Fields' two-year Ohio State career, like what's the game you think of? For me, it's certainly that 2020 semifinal win against Clemson and his spectacular performance in that game. To me, that's Justin Fields' defining game. I mean, he, he was great against Michigan. He was great in a lot of games. But when I think of Justin Fields at Ohio State, I immediately go to that game against Clemson. And... C.J. Stroud has that chance now. He has that chance to have that kind of performance. I mean, again, we've talked about it before. I mean, he he does have the record for the most yards in Rose Bowl history and Ohio State's most passing yards ever. I mean, you could certainly look at that performance in the Rose Bowl last year and call that his signature performance. But the reality is there wasn't a championship on the line. And so when there's a championship on a line and when you're going against a defense that isn't starting a running back at cornerback, but has probably the best defense in the country, the stakes are a little higher. And so, you know, this is a a huge opportunity, I, I think, for C.J. Stroud. Ohio State's going to need C.J. Stroud to be at his best. But if he is, then he certainly has a chance to to go from, 
you know, I think right now, if his career ended right now, we're talking about C.J. Stroud as he's a great Ohio State quarterback, but his legacy feels incomplete. He didn't necessarily have that signature achievement. If he can win this game on Saturday and have a great performance, and then I think he really does establish himself as one of Ohio State's all-time great quarterbacks. Well, Dan, that's why I think it's funny we're, we're talking about the whole Ohio State playing with house money concept and things like that. But it certainly still feels like even outside of that, that there is certainly a lot on the line for C.J. Stroud, who, you know, as you said, could be his final game in Scarlet Gray. And even Ryan Day, who, you know, will should have more chances to win games for Ohio State, even if the Buckeyes lose this game. But certainly, Dan, all offseason, if Ryan Day goes out on two straight losses at the end of the season, even if they're not supposed to be Georgia, it's going to be hard to, to you know tune out some of that criticism that is sure to come from Ohio State fans. Yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, I think we, that, that much is pretty obvious that if Ohio State loses this game, the people who are already unhappy with Ryan Day are going to become unhappy with Ryan Day. So certainly, you know, this, this is a game that, you know, winning it would be really big for Ryan Day's momentum. If Ryan Day, if Ryan Day can win this game, then, you know, that, that, you know, put that puts a stop to all the talk that's out there right now about his future at Ohio State and whether he's the right guy. If, if Ryan Day wins this game, you you you, you put all that all, all that talk on hold. And if he loses this game, that that talk's just going to intensify. And so, you know, it's it's a lot to put on one game, but it's just for reality of where he is right now. You know, I think you know if we were going to say you know who whose legacy or reputation's on the line more right now, I think it's still C.J. Stroud just because this is it. Like Ryan Day is going to be back next year. Even if there's some people out there who don't think he should be, Ryan Day is certainly going to be back next year. And so, you know, he, 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 you know, this is not the be all end all for what Ryan Day's Ohio state career is and how it will be defined. But certainly I think depending on the outcome of this game, Saturday night is, is going to have a massive influence on how Ryan Day is viewed by many Ohio State fans come Sunday morning. And Dan, the the cloud hanging over the head of the Ohio State offense, C.J. Stroud, Ryan Day, and all of those guys is still that 23-point performance against Michigan, more specifically that three-point second half against the Wolverines in that rivalry game loss. Ohio State, of course, averages 44.5 points per game this year was held you know, far short of that against Michigan. And we've already heard Ryan Day say, you know, Ohio State, you know, we were going to have to score 49, 50 points if you look at the history of CFP games and the, the points that teams have put up and winning performances in those games. But Dan, what do you think Ohio State will actually need to put up to win this game? And, you know, what what's the marker for a good performance from the offense in terms of points actually scored? Yeah, I look at upper 30s, 40s is where I think Ohio State needs to be and 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 to really have a good chance to win this game i mean i mean i like like we talked about before i think you know upper 40s 50 is a great goal but i think that's going to be really hard to do against this georgia defense and so i i think to me i look at you know somewhere in you know the upper 30s you know you know 38 to to 45 range to me that's a more that's a more realistic target for Ohio State, but I think if Ohio State can hit that target, it's going to have at least a chance to win. I mean, you can't be in the 20s again. I think if 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 Ohio State finishes this game with under 30 points for a second game in a row, that would constitute failure for Ohio State's offense because this offense is too good to be held in the 20s 
too or or worse. I mean, who knows what could happen? But this offense is too good to 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 not be able to put up you know thirty plus points in 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 multiple games, particularly the two biggest games of a season when you need to be at your best. And so you know, to me, you know, I I think you know if, if this offense again, if it can score, you know. You know, upwards, upwards of five touchdowns. You know, if you're in that, you know, you know, you know, six to six to eight overall score range of at least five touchdowns, then I think you know it's it's going to be a pretty good day for the Ohio State offense, and Ohio State is going to have at least a chance to win. Anything less than that would certainly be a disappointment, even against a really good Georgia defense, because of how talented this offense is. And Dan, I think it's safe to say Ohio State is going to need multiple players to have better performances on offense than they had against Michigan. Of course, you know, not everyone played a terrible game in that contest against the Wolverines. But at the same time, there were a host of players that had, in terms of pro football focus grade, their their worst games of the year against Michigan. I wrote about some of those guys in that piece I did about, you know, Buckeyes that need to step up in this one. You look at Cade Stover. You know, that was another thing we didn't touch on from interviews this week was he, you know, alluded to this, an, an injury that might have limited his performance against Michigan. Case well, he was over. asked about it. So right, right, it was right. like, he, he, was asked he didn't about bring it. it up on his own. Right, right, right. But he, he, he then said, he like, you know, everybody was banged up at the end of the year. And, you know, the, the time off has, has certainly been good for getting healthy, you know, for everybody. So, you know, you can read between the lines there a little bit with that one. But I think Cade Stover, a guy, if Ohio State's going to target him in big moments like it did against Michigan and use him in the run game like it did, he'll certainly need to step up. You know, you think about a guy like Luke Whipler, a guy that's going to be going up against some of those monsters on the inside there with Carter and everybody like that for Georgia. He was another guy that had his his worst, I believe, pro football focus grade of the year against Michigan. So that's another player for the Buckeyes that needs to step up. Dan, who else on offense would you point to in that regard? Yeah, I mean, certainly those interior offensive linemen are going to be in focus in this game. Luke Whipler, Donovan Jackson, and whoever starts at right guard because of Jalen Carter. But you know, I I also I, I look at a guy like Julian Fleming and say, you know, I, that's a guy who we saw earlier in the year that you know he can be an impact guy. He can be a guy that hits that big play for a touchdown. And I think they need something like that from him in this game because you know we've seen Marv be very productive. We've seen Emeka be very productive. But I think not having that consistent third guy, I, I think that's something that has hurt Ohio State down, down the stretch of a season. And so I think Julian getting back to what we saw from him early in the year, and even if it's just one really big play, like if, if he can if he can make a really big play that opens things up against that Georgia pass defense, I, I think that could be really big for for Ohio State in this game. So he he's a guy that I look at you know, and, and it could be a Kate Stover. It could even be a Xavier Johnson. But I've said it before. I, I think Ohio State needs a third pass catcher to, to, to really emerge as an X factor in this game if it's going to have a chance to beat Georgia. And Dan, what about the, the balance in this matchup between, you know, Georgia having the number one rushing defense in the country, but Ohio State knowing it has to put up a lot of points to win this game. But also the fact that, you know, potentially Ohio State's going to have a healthy Mayan Williams back for the first time since, you know, perhaps before the bye week. Does Ohio State need to pass the ball more than it has all season in terms of that run pass balance? Or, you know, do they not switch up switch things up that much? 
I think they need to do what they do best, which is which is pass the ball and and getting the ball to 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 their playmakers. I think against Michigan, you know, I felt like you know they they got too too conservative at times, particularly in the pass game with you know too many screens, too many checkdowns, and so I think you know it, you know for C.J. Stroud, I think you know the coaching to him and I think the mentality for him. Need, needs to be to take some shots in this game. They need to look for opportunities to make plays down the field because if they can do that, Georgia will drop more guys into coverage and that can open up things for the run game. But I think Ohio State can't play afraid in this game. I think you know. I think they have to go in. They they have to kind of loosen the reins and let it all out there. And you know that could lead. To, to some mistakes and and that's a, a scary thing in a game like this because we know this Georgia defense is very opportunistic and can make big plays but I, I just think Georgia's too good that you know if Ohio State goes in and if they're too predictable or if they're too conservative on offense that Georgia's going to eat that right up I think if you're going to have a chance to beat Georgia you, you have to be willing to take some chances and you have to draw up ways to get the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr., to get the ball to Emeka Abuka, to, to you know, it, it, to get the ball to Mayan Williams, I mean, whoever it is, you get, you have to find ways to, to get the ball in their hands and force Georgia to stop your best players. Dan, let's flip the page here and talk about the matchup between the Georgia offense and the Ohio State defense. You know, obviously the, the Ohio State offense and Georgia defense is probably the, the sexier matchup of the two in terms of the star player, the star power, you know, in a lot of reg- regards. But, you know, the Georgia offense is one that that follows a similar group blueprint to Michigan's own just in the fact that, you know, it's, it's a run-heavy offense that tries to wear you down. And, you know, at quarterback, you know, Stetson Bennett, a Heisman Trophy finalist, you know, if you agree with that or not, but he does, you know, he is a, a guy that can manage a game. He's got poise back there. You know, he's won a national championship as a starter already, played very well in the CFP last season. So, Dan, you know, I, I think, you know, in terms of star power, one thing that you lead with with the Georgia offense, right, is the, is the tight end position. You got Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington, and those guys. What, what stands out to you about the Georgia offense? Yeah, well, I mean, for one, I, I think it's similar to Michigan, which is probably a scary thing when you consider that Michigan scored 45 points against Ohio State and you know that being that you know running the ball is really what they do very well they're very seventh in the country of 5.5 free yards per carry and it's not just one guy you know I think going into the Michigan game there was so much focus on Blake Corum when you're when you're talking about this Georgia offense it's a little bit different because they have three guys who have all played a lot at running back, those being Kenny McIntosh, Dejan Edwards, and Kendall Milton. Kendall Milton, somebody who Ohio State fans might remember because Ohio State recruited him very heavily. But you know, I, I think the guy that I look at as as the X factor for Georgia is Kenny McIntosh because not only is he their leading rusher, he's also the second leading receiver among FBS running backs this year. He's a really good pass catcher out of a backfield, and so that's something that I think Georgia. Can, can use to its advantage that it is going to be dangerous for Ohio State. And then you couple that with how good their tight ends are. Brock Bowers, probably the best tight end in the country. Darnell Washington, there's not a whole lot of dudes out there at any level of football who look like him. He's 6'7", 260, and runs like a wide receiver. And so, you know, where I think, you know, when you're looking at, okay, who needs to step up on Ohio State's defense? 
I look at the linebackers and the safeties in pass coverage as being the guys who really got to step up in this game because, you know, there's been a lot of heat on the corners, but I, I don't know, you know, the corners need to play better, but I don't, I don't know if this game's going to be about the corners. I, I think this game's going to be about the, guy, the guys on the inside, the linebackers and the safeties, and how well can they handle the, the receiving threats, whether they come from a tight end position or, or, or out of a backfield. And so, you know, I, I, I think the safeties are going to need to have an excellent game, whether that be Ronnie Hickman, Lathan Ransom, Tanner McAllister, or, you know, maybe there's another guy who gets in there and plays a bigger role in this game because of how significant the tight end matchups are going to be. Could Josh Proctor finally play a bigger role in this game? Could Sonny Styles? play a bigger role in this game. You know, I mean, now, you know, I remember we talked about this a lot going into the Notre Dame game and we thought Court Williams was going to play a big role in that game. And then Court Williams really didn't play much of a role all year because he was hurt. And so I don't want to oversell that storyline because it may prove to be nothing. But, you know, I, I do wonder if if there's going to be a package for more of a hybrid kind of safety linebacker in this game because of the fact that, you know, you know, Tanner McAllister is probably a better pure cover guy than those guys, but he's going to be at a significant size disadvantage if he's covering a Brock Bowers or a Darnell Washington. And then, you know, conversely, you know, I don't know how, you know, if you're Ohio State, you know, you may want to stack the box and play free linebackers more in this game because of how good they are running the ball. But if you do that, are you going to be too susceptible against the pass because of how good those tight ends are, how good the running backs are in the passing game? And so, you know, it, it's going to be a challenging matchup for Ohio State's defense because they, they can't afford to do what they did against Michigan, clearly. I mean, it, it didn't work. You know, we saw Ohio State really change its defense, as, you know, Kyle Jones talked about on the show a couple weeks ago against Michigan, and it, and it didn't work. They went too aggressive towards stopping the run and allowed Michigan to, to beat them over the top. Now, I still think, you know, as Jones said when he was on the show, that they're still going to place an emphasis on stopping the run. I think they're going to want to make Stetson Bennett beat them, but you, 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 you have to do so with the recognition that Stetson Bennett is good enough to beat you. He, he, he might not be a superstar, but he's a Heisman finalist. He won a national championship last year. And he's certainly better than most of the quarterbacks Ohio State has faced this year. I mean, other than maybe J.J. McCarthy and Talia Tagovailoa, I mean, I mean, I think Stetson Bennett's right there with those guys based on what he's accomplished at Georgia and probably better than every other quarterback Ohio State faced this year. And we saw when Ohio State faced those quarterbacks, they struggled in the pass defense. And so, you know, this is a Georgia offense. There's so much talk about the Georgia defense. And yet I go into this game thinking Ohio State may have more trouble against Georgia's offense than they will against the defense. Because I think this Georgia offense, even though it doesn't get the headlines if the defense do, I think it's really good. And I and I think that Ohio State's defense clearly has to play a lot better than it did against Michigan. Yeah, you touch on kind of an interesting dichotomy, Dan, because, you know, the some of the Jim Knowles play calling, the aggressive style that he brings to the table did end up burning Ohio State against Michigan. And, you know, right after the game, he, he said, you know, maybe I do have to look at that philosophy about, you know, giving up five explosive plays per game because 
as we saw those five ended up being lethal against Michigan. But I do feel like, you know, kind of talking to the players, the Ohio State players after that, you know, Tanner McAllister said, you know, I don't think I don't think Jim Knowles is going to be any less aggressive going into this game just because of that that performance. And I really got the sense from talking to some of the Ohio State defensive players that they didn't really view the game as, you know, they, they pretty much got their their ass kicked completely against Michigan. It was more that like, yeah, like if, if they make those if they execute on some of those big plays and make the plays they had to make, then it could have been a very different game that they do not necessarily think it was, you know, just a game in which they were outclassed completely. Yeah, I mean, they, it was a, again, it was a matter of they gave up five explosive plays, but you know, you but you can't give up five touchdowns of forty-five plus yards. So you know, is Georgia going to make some big plays? Probably, but they can't be back-breaking plays like that. And so I think you know that's my question is you know for Ohio State is can you adjust so that you're still playing aggressive, but also so that one mistake does not lead to a back-breaking touchdown? You know, is there is there a balance there? And and I think maybe more importantly, it, it is playing their game because it felt like against Michigan, they were not playing their game. They they tried to play something that was very specific to trying to stop Michigan's running game rather than playing the game they had played all year. And that just didn't work. And so do they need to go back to more just playing their game and understanding that they're going to give up some stuff in the run game because Georgia is really good at running the ball, but maybe that that helps them in the pass game or it helps them with, with, with not giving up big plays. I mean, that's those are the questions that Jim Knowles gets paid almost $2 million to answer, right? And so, you know, I think the expectation for Jim Knowles has to be that you're going to come up with a game plan that allows you to defend an offense that's similar to the one that scored 45 points against you and is built so that that doesn't happen again. Like that's that's Jim Knowles's job here. And so, you know, I, I don't think this is an easy matchup for Ohio State defensively, but I, I also think that they have to learn from what didn't go well against Michigan and, and they have to have a better plan come Saturday. And I think We'll probably see some things in that game that were similar to what we saw the first 11 games of the year. We'll probably see some things in that game that are similar to what we saw against Michigan. And we'll probably see some new wrinkles too because they've had five weeks to game plan for it. And for Jim Knowles, it's about pushing the right buttons. It's about finding the right combination of plays. And then it's about the players on the field being able to go execute whatever those calls are. And then we talked about it with the Ohio State offense what about the defense in terms of, you know, what what is the scoring mark that would constitute, you know, a, a, a winning performance for the Buckeyes? Georgia averaging 39.2 points per game this season. Obviously, we're coming off of a game with the Buckeyes giving up 45 points. I, I, I think if Ohio, Ohio State, you know, needs to keep them under 40 points to win, I also think Ohio State has to score, you know, in that ballpark upwards of 40 points potentially to win this one. Dan, what say you? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if I said that, you know, Ohio State needs to be in that upper 30s, lower 40 range, well, then the defense has got to do better than that. And so, you know, I mean, to me, I, I look at it as, you know, the defense's goal. I mean, we know we know the defense that they're going to say our goal is to shut them out. Our goal is to stop them every play. But that's not going to be realistic in a game like this. And so, you know, to me, I, I think if Ohio State can hold Georgia in the 20s, they should feel good about their chances. I mean, their offense is their their offense is is too talented that they shouldn't 
they shouldn't lose the game if they can hold Georgia under 30 points. They should feel really good about their chances if they can hold Georgia under 30 points. And so, you know, to me, I think that's a realistic objective, a realistic goal that if Ohio State can hold Georgia under 30 points, it should have a chance to win this game. I think, you know, once Georgia, you know, gets into the, to the 30s, then it's it's going to be very dangerous for Ohio State. I think if Georgia gets into the 40s, then it's going to be really dangerous for Ohio State. That might mean that Ohio State loses the game. But I think, you know, if, if Ohio State can, you know, keep can keep Georgia in that 20s range, and I, then I think there'd be reason to feel good about Ohio State's chances of winning this game. Yeah, Dan, we talked about some of those guys in the secondary that need to step up and then the linebackers as well. I, I certainly agree with some of those, especially when you look at the game that like Lathan Ransom and Ronnie Hickman had against Michigan, for example. But also, Dan, I think when you look at Ohio State's last CFP win, you know, that that Sugar Bowl win over Clemson, the defensive line had a big, big, you know, thing to do with that game when you look at some of the performances up there. And I certainly don't think, you know, it's a different scheme, different matchup and everything like that. But it certainly would not hurt Ohio State, who has talked all season, you know, about the defensive line being the strength of the defense and things like that for some guys on that line to to make some huge plays if Ohio State's going to have a chance. In this yeah, I mean, it starts up front, right? So certainly I think that's something you want to see is, you know, among the defensive line, you, you want to see somebody step up and, and be a game record. I think back to that Clemson game, like I think of like Tyreek Smith, who probably played his best game of his Ohio State career in that game. You know, could a Zach Harrison do that? You know, could he, you know, step up and have a really – big game as he nears the end of his final season. I think certainly JT Tuimoloau is a name that comes to mind there as somebody. We saw him do it against Penn State. Can he deliver that same kind of performance on an even bigger stage? That would it would certainly go a long way for Ohio State if he could. You know, Teron Vincent's another guy who's like a Zach Harrison where, you know, getting to the end of his career, could he has not really had that signature performance in his career. Can he deliver it in the CFP? It would certainly be big if he could. Mike Hall is certainly a guy that you look at if, if if he's fully healthy, as he said he thought he would be after being hurt for most of a year. Can he get back to becoming the kind of game wrecker that we saw he could be early in the season? But you know, beyond them, uh, again, I, I go back to you know the linebackers and the safeties. You know, I think. You know, the, the linebackers have certainly been better in coverage this year than they were in years past. But I also don't know how much the linebackers have really been tested all that much in coverage. So, you know, Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers, I, I think this is a really big game for them. Those guys are they're going to have to take on some matchups with those tight ends or running backs coming out of a backfield. And they're going to have to be able to handle it. And then same thing. You know, you know, with those safeties, you know, a guy like a, a a Ronnie Hickman, who I think has been a really solid player for Ohio State this year, but hasn't necessarily had that really big game this year. You know, this is the kind of game where you know, can he make a game changing play? We've seen Leif and Ransom make game changing plays. Can can he do that and, and be more consistent after we saw some inconsistency from him down the stretch? And so, you know, I, I think a lot of it. You know, to me, goes up the middle just because we know how good those tight ends are. We know how good Georgia is 
running the ball that you know certainly like you want to see more consistency out of Denzel Burke you want to see more consistency and and health out, out of Cam Brown or whoever else is in there at corner but I look at a lot as those guys up the middle those guys are really going to need to be at their best because if you can force Georgia to have to make big plays outside of a perimeter I think that's a recipe for success if you're Ohio State but I, I think if, if Georgia can find a hole in the middle of the defense, Georgia's going to be able to exploit it. Yeah, and Ryan Day said, you know, they, they've looked at, you know, past CFP wins and things of that nature, and veterans are going to have to step up in that game. And I think a lot of that does have to do with the, the performances that you saw from like a Tyreek Smith or a Jonathan Cooper in that Clemson matchup. And there are certainly guys, as you mentioned, the, the Zach Harrisons, Teron Vincents of the world. Now you're talking about Tommy Eichenberg, you know, veteran guys on this defense that are going to have to step up, especially because there are, are a lot of, you know, underclassmen contributors that haven't been on this stage before when you talk about the JTs and the Mike Halls and, you know, guys like that in their second season. So so those guys are going to have to lead the way in this one. And uh, yeah, I think the, the Georgia offense may not be getting you know, flying under the radar a little bit. The Ohio State defense in this matchup may be flying under the radar a little bit, but it is certainly as crucial to the outcome of this game as anything. All right, Griffin, what are you thinking? What is your prediction for this game and why? So, yeah, Georgia's still a, a seven-point favorite in this one. Dan, I, you know, I hate to break the hearts of Ohio State fans, you know, worldwide right now, but I, I do think Georgia's going to end up getting the win in this one. I'm going to have them also covering the line there, scoring 45 points on the Ohio State defense. Ohio State, you know, having a better offensive showing than they did against Michigan, putting up 35 points against this, you know, vaunted Georgia defense, still finishing, though, with a 10-point loss, which I honestly, I don't think that's all that terrible a result for Ohio State as crushing a defeat as it would be. You know, that's a that's a pretty close game against a team that, you know, I think should be favored to repeat as national champions this year. Yeah, I, I see it as a closer game than that, but I'm also going to pick Georgia to win this game. I, I'm going with Georgia 35-31 to 31 over Ohio State. Now, here's the good news if you're listening out there and you're an Ohio State fan. Ohio State almost always wins when I pick against them because <laughs> I picked against Ohio State in last year's Rose Bowl, and Ohio State won that game. I picked against Ohio State in 2020 against Clemson and Ohio State won that game and I picked against Ohio State in the 2018 Michigan game and Ohio State won that game and I think as far as I can remember I think those are the only times I've actually picked against Ohio State since I've been covering Ohio State for 11 Warriors it doesn't happen often because like we talked about Ohio State is usually favored to win games and so I don't pick against Ohio State often and when I have Ohio State has been successful so if any of the players are listening to this podcast you can add that to the bulletin board as you know one more critic who doesn't believe in you and you know use that to fuel the Ohio against the world mentality but you know, I, I, you know, just just being objective here, looking at this game objectively, Georgia's been the better team this year. They they just have been. They they've played more consistently better football. And you know, as we've talked about before, I think Ohio State is capable of winning this game. But I think Ohio State has to play a better game than we've seen them play all year. You know, at least against top competition. And so I, I think with. When I look at Ohio State, do I see the path to an Ohio State win? Yes, I do. I mean, you go back to the numbers that I talked about before. And if Ohio State can hit those numbers, then I think Ohio State can win this game. But 
it's projection. It's projecting that we're going to see Ohio State play at a level that it hasn't been playing at, a level that I thought we'd see Ohio State play at against Michigan, and it didn't. Whereas with Georgia, I look at Georgia and I say, I think if Georgia can play the way it's typically played all year, it's got a better than 50% chance of winning this game. And so I think, you know, Ohio State, or if Ohio State can come out and play its absolute best football of the year, if, if it can tap into something that we haven't seen from them yet in terms of, you know, consistency and, and finishing drives on offense and then, you know, being able to shut down both phases on, on defense, then I, I think Ohio State is capable of winning this game. But, you know, like I said, I, I do think it is a challenging matchup for Ohio State's defense, e- even though Georgia's more for its defense. I, I think Georgia's offense is, is going to give Ohio State's defense some problems. And just because of what we've seen from Ohio State's offense in big games, you know, over the past couple years, I just don't have that level of confidence that we're going to see this Ohio State offense firing on on full cylinders against a defense as good as Georgia. It's it's not out of question because we, we, we've seen him do it before. I mean, the Clemson game a couple years ago was a great example of that. And I think, you know, again, if you, you look at the blueprint for this game, there's that Clemson game two years ago in, in 2020, and there's that game against Alabama in, in 2014. Those are, those are two examples of games where most people didn't think Ohio State was going to win, and Ohio State came out, played its absolute best football, and and found a way to beat a really really good team. And so the blueprints there for Ohio State to follow, I, I just haven't seen enough from this team this year to feel confident and objectively pick that it's going to happen. Let's say that the quote unquote Dan Hope kiss of death does end up playing out in the team that Ohio State, you know, is the underdog against does lose in this matchup, Dan. Let's say Ohio State plays in the national championship game. Who do they face? Michigan or TCU? Who's coming out of the other side of the CFP semifinal bracket? I got Michigan winning that game, and I'm I'm more confident in Michigan winning that game than I am in either outcome in the Peach Bowl. You know, I mean, you know, TCU has had a great year. I mean, they found a way all year long in the regular season to win games, even when they weren't at their best. But you know, I think of the four teams in the CFP, I think TCU is clearly the least talented of the teams. And I mean, we saw it in the game at the end of November. This Michigan team is really good. I think this Michigan team is is absolutely good enough to win a national championship this year. And so I'm not actually predicting that right now, that Michigan will win the national championship. Right now, I'm my prediction would be that Georgia won the national championship. And, you know, and I think if if Ohio State was to, to, to play Michigan, then there's certainly a chance I'd pick Ohio State to, to win the rematch of that game. But just in terms of that Michigan versus TCU game, I, I, I do think Michigan wins and I think Michigan advances to the national championship. And if that happens, it'll be before the Ohio State-Georgia game. And so Ohio State will know it's playing for a potential rematch of a national championship game, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing because it, 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 it certainly would be one extra level of motivation, but I also think it would, would bump up the pressure they might feel a little bit. Yeah, and Dan, just imagine imagine Ohio State ends up 
winning their game, but let's say Michigan ends up losing, how much would, would people, you know, the ratings department and everyone working in this industry be kicking themselves that they didn't get that huge, massive rematch in the national championship game? Yeah, well, I mean, they'll, they'll be happy if Ohio State makes it on ratings because Ohio State always delivers ratings. But certainly, I, I think the I think the, the people who stand to make money off that telecast would love to see Ohio State and Michigan both win this weekend. You got anything else? That's it. We've got you know a few more days of coverage, and then the wait will be over on Saturday, come eight p.m. New Year's Eve, Dan. You know the the ball will drop, and we will know you know who is headed to the national championship. Will it be Ohio State? Will it be Georgia? Just tune in, Dan. Just tune in. Eight p.m. ESPN. That game will be on. Stay tuned with us all week long at elevenwarriors.com for full coverage leading up to the game during the game after the game. We'll have it all covered and and win or lose, we'll be back next week to break it all down.